Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. We do want a new house eventually. Okay. Problem is where we live is very expensive. And so to move into a new house, it would make sense to actually move for. We're looking at paying like double what we did for our house. Oh, wow. So we have been saving some money on the side towards that because the other thing is you kind of have to have the cash for the down payment if you buy a new house mm-hmm. in our area. Like yep. you can't say like, oh, continued on the sale of my current house. Like they're like, great, take a hike. We're going to take a different buyer. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Financials Podcast Future It. My name is Barbara Ginty, and I'm your host and a CFP, which is a certified financial planner. And I am here this afternoon with my guest, Caroline. Hi, Caroline. Hi. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. So would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself, age, um, job, income, location, all that jazz? Sure. So I'm 36 years old. I live in Colorado. I work in the financial industry. I have one child and another on the way. My daughter is three and um, I'm a big fan of the show. Oh, thank you. I always love hearing that. It's so funny with a podcast because you just see like the numbers, but so anonymous, right? We're just like, oh, we have listeners. We don't know who they are. Amazing. Okay. And so you said you're married. Mm -hmm. How old is your husband? He is 41. Perfect. Okay, great. I think you might be one of the first in the financial industry. I'm trying to think. Oh, interesting. What arena of finance, like institutional, personal? So uh, an investment advisor. Oh, okay. Perfect. I don't really deal with the number side. I'm more back office operations. And what does your husband do? He works um, in fundraising. So like nonprofit? Yeah, nonprofit, or sometimes he works for schools and he does fundraising for the institution. Okay. And in Colorado, I love when we get a mountain state. Okay. So tell us what is going on with your finances. So I think we actually do a pretty good job with our finances. I love a budget. I don't know that we always hit our numbers every month. (laughs) I plug our numbers in every month. I use Minted and then I have a spreadsheet that I use. My question is, especially since our finances are getting more complicated, you know, with another baby on the way, we have a healthy income and I think we do smart things with it, but we also 
we spend some of it, we save a lot of it. I just want to make sure we're still making all the right moves. Obviously my husband's early forties, I'm mid thirties. I would say both of us weren't super great with money in our twenties. And so I want to kind of make sure that we're on track with things and then talk about how to pay for certain things that are upcoming, I guess, goals that we have too. Absolutely. Okay. So let's try and break it down. So how much are you making with your career? So I make 200000 as my salary, and then I get a bonus. That's a percentage of that. Um, and it just depends on kind of what they want to give me, but it's usually around like 40 to 50% so far. That's what I've seen at least um, in the past. Okay. Amazing. So 40% of that would be like 80,000. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Okay. Perfect. So we'll just put 80,000 as the bonus. So we'll say you're at 280. Obviously bonuses can fluctuate, but you think that's a safe number we can mm-hmm. use? Yeah. Perfect. Okay. And then what about your husband? And my husband makes 115,000. And then I always have to ask, how do you do the finances? Do you split everything or because everyone does it so everything is combined so he's paid once a month I'm paid twice a month and then I have I have our paychecks allocated like 10 different ways so <laughs> some of the paycheck goes into a s- different savings accounts that we have and then some of it goes into our personal checking so that we each have like spending money and then the rest of it always goes into our joint checking which is what we pay our bills out of so like our mortgage like any other bill that would come up, subscriptions, utility, electricity, all that stuff. So we are completely combined. Perfect. Okay, good. That makes it easy. So then do you want to talk me through what the 395 is your gross? Does it make more sense to do it monthly? Or what are you bringing in net monthly? And so are you sure? Each, and then we'll go through like you're each contributing to work plans. Is it just one of you doing healthcare? Yeah. So I actually, my healthcare is covered if it's just me. So I'm on my own health care plan. And then my husband and my daughter are on his health care plan because that was the most cost effective. And then the new baby will go on that one too? Yes. And when are you due? In November. All right. Okay. And then does your husband have a work retirement plan? He does. Is it a 403B? So he has a 403B and a 401A. Yep. Okay. Which I actually, later when we get to questions, I have some questions about that. But so he has two that he contributes to. Does he contribute to the 401A? I haven't seen that before. He does. And I think that's the one actually that his employer contributes to. Mm-hmm. The way I generally see it, which doesn't mean right or wrong, just I haven't seen it. Normally the 401A is just the employer and then the 403B is the employee. Okay. But we, we can get to that. And then you have a 401k, I'm I'm presuming. I do. And we both max out. Perfect. Okay. So you do the IRS limit. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So then what are you netting? So your healthcare is covered. You're maxing out your 401k. Your husband's covering himself and your three-year-old. And then we'll be covering the new baby. Mm -hmm. So then what is your, do you want to just do monthly? Sure. And I should mention, he also has dependent care taken out of his paycheck. Oh, okay. Is that for childcare? Yeah. So it's, I think, four sixteen a month he has taken out for that. And then we can apply that to her school. Oh, perfect. Okay. And that's a pre-tax benefit. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah, that is great. It's 5000 a year. Oh, amazing. Okay. Up to, I should say, but that we max it out. Max it out. Yeah, you might as well, because why pay tax on it if you don't? Exactly. Okay, perfect. So then what, after dependent care, health insurance, and maxing out retirement plans, what are you netting a month, approximately? So we are netting 15312 Okay. And then do you want to talk me through your expenses? Sure. And we can do like high level. Okay. We do, well, I guess I'll start with my savings, because that's how I, the order I have it Okay. In. 
I love budget. I call this budgeting backwards, which is really, it should be (laughs) budgeting the right way. But so we don't make people feel bad. I'm glad that you're doing your savings first. I really love that. I do. This is why I have all those allocations. So we do $500 to our daughter's 529 a month. Currently, we're putting away $2,700 a month into our savings account. And that's a high yield savings account? It is. Oh, yeah. We are big fans of those. And then towards our daughter's tuition and like other things that we pay for like summer camp or whatever, it's 2000 a month. And we do 350 into emergency and then $300 into our investment account. And then our mortgage is 3909. Our energy bill recently finally dropped below 200. It's like 150 this month, but it had been. Oh, that's nice. It's had been high in the winter. Had been super high. So that's down. Our internet's 79 a month. Uh, cell phone 65 and utilities is usually around 80. Yeah. Oh, and then we pay for trash pickup too. That's done quarterly. That's like four, it's like $35 a month, basically. Okay, perfect. And then your mortgage, I'm presuming is taxes. It's escrowed, right? So you have taxes and insurance in there? Yes. Okay, good. Yeah, exactly. And what's your mortgage rate? 2.75. Love it. I really do not think we'll see that for a very long time. That's my personal opinion. I know, which is a real conundrum. So. Oh, okay. We'll talk about that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, because if you look back on historic mortgage rates, like that didn't ever happen before. Right. Yeah. My parents basically said to me, why would you ever move? Yeah. Why would you ever move? Yeah. Like my dad's first mortgage was one of his houses was 16 and he got out of the rental business when a person burned down his house. Oh gosh. He's like very anti-rental. He's like, it sounds wonderful until someone burns your house down. And he's like, I'm like, you really, <laughs> not to make a pun, but you really got burned on that rental. So my dad's like very anti. Yes. But yeah, one house was 16% and they and then the other wow. house that I grew up in was 18%. But then obviously the house prices were like really, really, really cheap, but your interest rates were like right. absurd. You could also get a CD back then at 15%, I believe. Oh my gosh. And which is crazy is some young people, and I had this experience and then I saw a meme about it, don't know what a CD is because they haven't been attractive for, I would say the last 10 years because we've had no interest rates, right? So like, why would you put your money in a CD for 0.00 something? Okay. So I love that you're saving first. This is the way I've always done it. This is the way I recommend it. It took a long time for me to do that. Just so people know I haven't always been doing this, but it does help. Yeah. Because then you spend what's left over and you're statistically more likely to hit your financial goals because they're being treated as the priority. And that's why the work retirement plans are so effective. Because if it had to go in your bank account, even if it was still the tax break and you had to put it back, it would never happen. Totally. Okay. So I have just under 6,000 you're putting towards savings goals and then your expenses, the mortgage energy, I'll just use the 150 internet, 580 plus 35 is, I'll just say like 4,300 and then food. Yes. So I budget $700 a month for groceries. This is going to sound bad for someone who cares so much about where their money goes. I don't really know what we spend because (laughs) my husband has like we mostly shop at this one store and the credit card that we use there is under his name. So I see what we spend at the end of the month. It's our Amazon card. I check it at the end of the month just to see what we spent, but I'm assuming we're around (laughs) 700. I think some months we might be a little over some months. Maybe we come under. You still have, because like, even if you spend 700, that brings you up to around 5,000, like $18 for food, mortgage, energy, internet, all of that jazz. And then with your savings around six, I'm just do 
round number 6,000. Um, that brings you to 11,000 total, which means you still have 4,000, right? Yeah. I still have quite a few more categories okay, for you, okay. but yes. <laughs> so then restaurants, we usually spend around 500 a month um, between eating out or getting takeout. We do like to eat out. So I try to not do it that often just because everything's so expensive now, but um, to give myself a break, we definitely do take out like once a week. Perfect. That's fine. And then I have like a gifts and donations plus like Amazon and miscellaneous expenses. I have like 350 allocated. Okay. House cleaners, 240 a month. And then transportation. So our car payments, 840 a month, but I always pay 850. Okay. And then for insurance, plus we have um, kind of a heavy registration tax in Colorado for cars. So I put aside money for that during the okay. year too. It's luckily it's gone down a little. We had a newer car last year, so it was expensive, but I put away 175 for that a month. Oh, wow. That is expensive for registration. Well, it's for insurance and tax Got it. for the registration, but yeah, okay. it's, I mean, like last year, I think we paid 700. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. It's expensive. And that was better than the previous year. And then we put aside $75 a month for vet bills for the dog. Okay, then we're at twenty two hundred plus the five thousand from the food, and then you know your fixed expenses. So that's at like seventy two hundred, and then plus the six thousand for savings is like thirteen thousand two hundred. Okay, so there's still a buffer. Well, I still have more categories. Okay, what are the, okay, what are the rest? <laughs> so my husband and I get split between us fifteen hundred a month for discretionary spend. And that's kind of like if you want to save up for a trip with your friends or if you want to spend that eating out with your friends or buying clothes, whatever. It's just like blind money. Oh, nice. Yeah. And we each have separate. We have like personal credit cards so that we just can spend without the other one criticizing our spend. (laughs) I like the strategy. Thank you. Yeah. It took a while to get there because it's hard. I mean, also, I think because he was like mid 30s when we got married. So it was hard to convince him to combine. So this is kind of how we got around it. And then we put aside... $200 for travel each month. And then for subscriptions, we spend about $50 a month between like the New York Times and different like TV subscriptions. And then that's, that's it. Well, oh, sorry. There's one other thing. My, (laughs) we remodeled something in our our room in our house last year. Mm -hmm. And my husband got on his credit card, like a zero interest balance. You could take 12 months to pay Pay off off. your balance. And it was 0%. It was on American Express. So we put a bunch of stuff that we had to buy for the bathroom remodel on there. And he gets $400 a month to pay that down. But we only have like four months of that left and that'll be done. Oh, perfect. Okay. So you have it all allocated. I do. That's great. But I like that. Yeah, that brings you right to where you're supposed to be. And then you'll get 400 basically back after that gets paid off in four months. Yeah. And then I like that you both have the 1500 to do what you want. Yeah, you really have it very organized. Thank you. I can't take total credit for this. I found this Excel online, but yes. So what is with the new baby? Is mm-hmm. that going to change the childcare cost? Yes. And I haven't totally figured out exactly how much that's going to be. So my daughter goes to a school that you can't start at until you're 18 months. So the new baby wouldn't even go to the new school yet. So we have to either figure out like a nanny, a nanny share, or potentially send her to a daycare. And that could be up to $2,000 a month. I know. Okay. Well, the good news is the $400 payment goes away before the baby comes. Yes. In September, that'll free up. Yeah. Okay. So that comes back into the budget. So we have another 400 back, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. And I'll actually max out my social security at the end of June. 
So that goes back. And so for those who don't know what you're talking about, your social security wages are only taxed up until what's called the social security wage base. And it changes every year. This year for 2023, your wage base is $160,200. And after that, you're, you're not paying social security on anything above that. And so you get a little bit when you max it out, you'll get that money back. And it's 6.2% because you're going to pay Medicare on all of it. That's funny. I think that might be the first time we've talked about it on the show. It's so funny. It's called the FICA tax. And so the way that breaks down, it's 7.65%. I don't think people realize this, but so you pay it as the employee and then your employer matches it. So what's going towards your retirement benefits for your annualized salary, but like each payroll is 15.3%. And it's broken down that for your portion as the employee, it's 6.2 for Social Security, which is abbreviated as OASDI, and then 1.45% for Medicare. But then the employer pays both sides, which me being a small business, I think a lot of people don't realize that. So when I show somebody their salary for a small business, I show them what I pay into their retirement benefits as well as part of their overall comp. Interesting. Yeah. Well, because it's a small business, if you're making $100,000, I need to have another 7.65 in the account so that your payroll goes through. Got it. That is interesting. People don't really think about it, but it's not just the $100,000 you're getting paid. Your employer has to have the $7,650 also set aside. And then there are other additional expenses like unemployment insurance and family medical leave that the employer also has to have those funds available to pay those as well. I think it's a fascinating system. I think it works really well. I feel like it gets a lot of slack in the media, but it does. I think Social Security is wonderful and so is Medicare. So I see it on the other side when people retire. But so that's the interesting part. So once you hit that wage base, you get that 6.2% back in your yeah. in your wages, which is really nice. It's super nice. The first time it happened, I told HR that there was a mistake in my paycheck because mm-hmm. I didn't, I had never heard of that. I didn't know you could max it out. Yeah, I don't know why. I guess I've just always been super interested in this. And so when I was working on Wall Street, my colleague who was sitting next to me was like, same thing. It was like September. And she's like, oh my God, I think payroll messed up my paycheck. And I was like, why? And she was like, I have more money in there, mm-hmm. my deposit. And I was like, can I see it? And she's like, yeah. And I was like, oh no, you're just done paying social security maxed out. And she's like, what are you talking about? And I was like, how does no one know these things? But no one ever tells you. No, there are no classes on this. Yeah. This is something you hear in the media a lot. Like that's like a very touchy subject with politicians. So when you hear them talking about like, we should be increasing the wage base, they're referring to increasing the wage base for what they're taxing for social security. They use all this lingo that doesn't make it clear. You know, they don't say, yeah, it's a very touchy subject with politicians. Cause I forget who's on what side. Cause I don't care that much about politicians, but one party wants to tax social security on all wages. And the other party is like, no, 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 no. It has to be capped. Can't be indefinite. Interesting. I don't think I realized that. Yeah. It's a touchy subject. Yeah. As you increase your income, the argument for one side, I'm not taking sides, I'm just explaining it, is that it would really help fund social security if it like all of your income was taxed, all of your W-2, and not just to the wage base because it would generate so much revenue. Now, Medicare goes on everything. So, Mm -hmm. and then I believe you actually, 280, I believe there is an additional tax on a certain, I believe it might be 200,000. You might pay an extra Medicare tax. Oh, okay. But yeah, 
they're sneaky, you know? Yeah, I should look out for that. I think you pay the 1.45 and then I think there is an additional Medicare tax. I'll have to look it up. We don't run into the additional Medicare tax, but yes, I think you might be paying an additional Medicare tax, but you're only paying up to 160 for the social security. So, right. And the social security is the higher percentage, but anyway, so now everyone knows. Yes. <laughs> Our next partner has a product I use literally every day. I started taking AG1 because these past few months I've been prioritizing my health as I've recovered from a nasty case of long haul COVID. I love that it takes the mental work out of getting my vitamins and supplements in because with just one scoop of AG1, you're getting 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced ingredients, and probiotics. It's been super simple to incorporate into my morning routine because there's virtually no prep required and it tastes great. Plus, it's way cheaper than a fancy coffee habit. If you want to give it a try, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash future rich. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash future rich to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. You're going to get some more money back, which is wonderful. Which is nice. Which will be, yeah, be helpful for the new baby. Do you have an idea? So we have the 400 that comes back into your budget. We think it might be 2000 for childcare for 18 months, right? Yeah. Well, I'll be home for four months. So yeah, for at least 14 months, but it could be less than that. I mean, we just have to see. This is like the really fun part about childcare is figuring it out. It's such a nightmare because you have different options, but it's still very hard to figure out what's the best option. A lot of logistics. Yes. So we have the $400 back a month. You are in September going to get more money back approximately 6.2% on around 120000 of income. Is your bonus paid at end of year or the next year? It's paid at the beginning of the year. So I already received mine for this year. Well, so yeah, for this year, I'll get it next year, but I get it at the very beginning. Okay. So we'll just say 40,000, you get another 6.2% back, which works out to be just about 2,500 gross. So not net. So you'd probably get another 1,500 back once you hit the wage base until the end of the year. Oh, the only thing is I think, did you say I hit it in September? Because I'll be done end of June. So it starts in July. Oh, it starts in July. Okay, perfect. Yeah. So they're counting your bonus from this year. Yeah, that's kind of the nice part about getting it at the start of the year. Depending on how my bonus structure is, sometimes you can get really close to maxing it out early in the year versus later. Okay, so you'll be getting some more money, which will help offset this difference, but not the whole amount. Oh, well, let's go over. Why don't we go over savings and debt first, and then we can come back to this. Sure. So the short-term savings, the $2,700, most of that is supposed to be going towards a renovation project that we have. We need to remodel our basement. We have to finish it actually to create more space in the house. So we're okay. <laughs> searching for money for that as well. In addition to trying to figure out what to do with the childcare situation when we have to start paying for that. Okay. So how much is in there? Right now, I think, so I actually have a bunch of CDs because the rates are ridiculous right now. So I've actually been moving over chunks into CDs. So right now, I think in the renovation CD, I have 14000 And then what about in your emergency fund? Emergency fund, we have 22000 Some of it's in a CD, but overall it's about 22000 And then I also have I bonds that I will actually cash out soon. Um, and I'll just move those into the high yield savings because the interest rates aren't what they were. No, I know. And good luck getting the money out of there. 
I know I've heard you say that on a previous episode. And so I've braced myself for trying to do that. Now, my feedback is from older folks okay. who probably are at a disadvantage to start with. Okay. But the iBonds like were really sold as being amazing. And it was a great rate when inflation hit a high. Mm-hmm. But in order to get that rate, you had to stay in for 15 months. Was it 15? I thought it was 12. No, if you read the fine print, which is how the government gets people, if you break it under five years, you lose the last three months of interest. Okay. So no, I was counting on that actually. So we hit a year in May for the first one. So I figured I'd take it out in August, but it sounds like I can't even get it out until then. So. Right. Yeah. I just would just prepare yourself because okay. I, you know, sometimes like with some of the government agencies, like if they're not fully staffed or whatever, they just don't answer. Right. Yeah. I know. I, like only a government agency could be like, just take the phone off the hook and don't answer the phone. I can't I imagine know. being a business and being like, we're just not going to answer for the next month. I actually got locked out of my account and I couldn't do the phone calls with them. So I just had my husband open one and that's how I got the iPhone. Because oh <laughs> I couldn't, I mean, it was ridiculous, the waiting time. So I just, mm-hmm. I never fixed my account. Yeah, because it's like, well, I don't have 48 hours to be on hold with you people. Yeah. Okay, so you have 10,000 in the iBonds, I'm presuming. We didn't do quite that much. I think we did okay. like 7,500 maybe. Okay, perfect. Okay, she has 7,500 in there. Okay, and then i just curious how much you have in the 529, but we're not obviously we're not going to use that for anything other than college. So the 529 is, we have two because we lived in a different state when she was born, and I just haven't okay. moved that money because it doesn't seem like I need to. Am I wrong on that? No, you can leave it there. Okay, so she has like 26,000. Amazing. And you did see there's a new regulation where it can be used to fund a Roth. Yes, I did see that because we actually put some money in our investment account for her too because I was like, well, maybe I'll play out both in case I can't get that money out. But now we won't contribute to that anymore. We'll just do the 529. I think that's fantastic because it allows you to transfer it to the child's retirement savings without taxes or penalties, which is pretty cool. Yeah. There's some rules around it, but it's really great concept, I think. Okay, great. That's a lot for college for being three. Yes. That wasn't all our contributions. We have some nice grandparents. Oh, we love we love friendly grandparents. Yes. We tell them that's what we want for birthday and Christmas. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, anything yeah. you can put into it for those listening. Exactly. Which is wonderful. Okay, and then how are we doing? Are there any other savings accounts I should know about? So we, we do want a new house eventually. Okay. Problem is where we live is very expensive. And so to move into a new house, it would make sense to actually move for. We're looking at paying like double what we did for our house. Oh, wow. So we have been saving some money on the side towards that because the other thing is you kind of have to have the cash for the down payment if you buy a new house mm-hmm. in our area. Like yep. you can't say like, oh, contingent on the sale of my current house. Like they're like, great, take a hike. We're going to take a different buyer. So yep. we have started saving for that. I'm pretty sure I'm going to have to roll that money over into the renovation budget. We don't have that much in there right now. We have 17000 Okay. So there's two options to the current house. It just depends on what the new house price is going to be. But the benefit of a house sale is if you've lived in it for at least two years, Mm -hmm. they don't need to be consecutive. You don't pay capital gains on the first $500,000 as a married filing joint. Which is great. Which is amazing. So you basically can roll the gains or the appreciation of the house value into the new house. Now, if you had $500,000 of gain in its stock account, you would be paying, right? Mm -hmm. So it is a really good way to defer taxation, ultimately for 
never, ideally never pay on the appreciation of a house because this rule hopefully will always exist. The one thing that's a little tricky is because you have such a low interest rate, there has been a lot of talk about like keeping the low interest rate house and renting mm-hmm. it. I've seen a strategy that people have talked about because 2.75 is something you're probably never going to get again. So does it make sense to keep the original house right. so you can save for the down payment of the new house and afford the new house's mortgage and then get a tenant to cover the full expense on the other property if ideally make a profit, but Mm -hmm. then you are running a business. People are like, it's passive. I'm like, it's passive if it goes perfectly. It's not passive if anything goes wrong. And yes, you can hire a management company to do that. But I don't know, I might be a little bit jaded, but running a business and hiring out for a lot of things and people, not everyone does what they say they're going to do just because you've paid the money. So good to know. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, if you think about it, just because you've hired someone to be a management company doesn't mean they're not going to drop the ball. Right, right? exactly. And you might find someone who's amazing, then it's a win-win and this all works wonderfully. But if you hire a management company and then they're not answering the tenant when there's a problem, well, the tenant is then going to call you right. ultimately. And you would want them to if there was a major problem on a property you own. You don't want to find out there's an issue that could have been solved fast and would have alleviated costs. That's like one strategy is to keep it. Then you need to be wary of is then it's like an investment property. You have to have different homeowners insurance. And when you go to sell that house down the road, if you haven't been living in it for two years, it doesn't qualify for that capital gain exclusion. Got it. There's another way around that. It's a like kind transfer. You can defer the taxation, but it's a, just need to know what you're working with. Okay. But I think that's a future problem, right? Yes. I mean, we would love to move in a few years. I don't see how we're doing it. So I think it is a future problem. (laughs) Okay. Okay, so we have emergency fund 529, I bonds, the renovation budget, and what's in the down payment? Oh, that was the 17,000. 17,000. Okay, perfect. Yeah, which I think is going to end up going towards renovation because ideally we'd start the renovation in September or October. Okay. I just don't think we would have enough in there by then to not supplement it from the other account. Yeah, I agree. And by doing the renovation, the basement remodel, will it make the house more manageable for a family of four? Yes. Um, we're going to add another bedroom. Oh, perfect. Okay. Yeah. So that'll be great. We have three bedrooms right now, but obviously they'll all be occupied once the baby comes. Yep. So then we won't have room for like, grandma and grandpa to come and help. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I think we have to do the basement. We kept putting it off, but I think it's a necessity yeah, then, now. Yeah. And then grandma and grandpa aren't on like the couch, right? Yeah. yeah I think that makes exactly. sense. And I think if it gets you more time in the house, that might be nice too, where you're Agreed. not feeling like you need to like upgrade. Exactly. I think it will definitely make it easier to be here. Okay, perfect. Do we have debt besides the mortgage? Just that and then the car loan, which the is what the car, car payment goes towards. Okay. And then what is left on the mortgage? And then what do we have approximately for the car loans? Sure. The mortgage, there's like 687000 left and the car loan is just under 33000 And then how are we doing with the retirement accounts? So I have an IRA that has like 213000 and then I have a Roth IRA that has 7500 and then I have an employer 401k that is 26000 and then my husband has about 40000 in his employer's 401k and then he has like a bunch of account. So apologize for not having these added up. No, that's okay. So you said 41,000 in a 401k. Yeah. I'd say it's 40,000, 40, just a little okay. over in a 401k. And then he has, let's see here. He has 137,000 in a IRA. And then he has like 2,200 in a Roth 401k from an old employer. And then he has from an old employer, like two different plans, a 403b and a probably a 401a. And together that's 
Almost 89,000. Oh, and I should mention, I, I am maxing out my 401k and I just started putting a really small percent into a Roth 401k that we have through the employer. Through the employer. So you're, yes. you're maxing out the IRS limit, but you're breaking it down between the pre-tax and the Roth. My understanding was you can max out your 401k and also contribute on top of that to the Roth 401k. Am I wrong? You can. No, you're not wrong. It's just the steps. Okay. Okay. So if you're doing a non-deductible contribution, so an after-tax dollar that then is converted into the Roth, mm-hmm. that's fine because the total limitation on a defined contribution plan for 2023 is 66000 And so the way it works is is so the total dollars meaning any type of dollar in to the plan is 66,000 but your employee limit for either pre-tax or the Roth like in the front door is 22,500 so the way it works is so let's just say you do that entire amount pre-tax. Now, do you have a match with your 401k? I do. Well, yeah, we're, it's actually regardless of if I contribute, I get, maybe it's 5%. Okay. So 280 times 5% is 14,000. That sounds about right. Okay. So the reason they do that is because you must have a top heavy plan. There's testing for ERISA that the plans have to go through called it's ADP and ACP testing. And so that's in order to like make sure they pass their requirements. Okay. So then your employer is putting in with the ER 14,000 and you're putting in 22,500 for the max, which is meaning you're putting in 36,500. So of the 66 allowable dollars, depending on the type of dollars, 36,500 is allowed in the plan which leaves, if we wanted to fill the bucket up, 29500 And so what you can do with that 29000 I don't like to get too close, is that can go in, it's called a non-deductible dollar. It means it goes in after tax. So you're paying tax on it and it goes in after tax. So let's just use an even number. We'll just say you put in 20000 a year. And then depending on your plan, if you do the non-deductible contribution, they can do what's called an in-plan conversion. Now, there's a lot of steps. So anyone who's listening to this, like consult your own financial advisor or consult a tax professional. This is a nuanced strategy. So you would do an in-plan conversion, ideally, because here are the things you need to make sure that you don't screw up, is if the after-tax dollar, the 20000 goes into the market and now it's twenty one, and then you do an in-plan conversion, whoa, we have more money than we started. It muddies the water. Also, if you move it out of the plan. If you don't do it the right way, it could be treated as a distribution. And now you have taxes in under 59 and a half problems, right? There's a lot of ways this gets screwed up. The cleanest way is if your plan does after-tax deductible and does an immediate, so it doesn't get invested, it does an immediate conversion into a Roth, which is the Roth 401k, and then it gets invested the way you specified. That's how you can do be doing it all is using a non-deductible dollar with an immediate implant conversion. Got it. Does that sound right? Perhaps. I have to be honest. Now I'm thinking I totally misunderstood. (laughs) No, that's okay. Because the other way you can be doing it, unless something changed, and I don't know everything, there are a thousand rules that we have to keep up on every year. So sometimes I have to research stuff. But the other way you could be doing it is you could be doing like 20,000 into the pre-tax and you could be doing 2,500 into the Roth. And then you're staying within your IRS limit of the 22,500. But if you're going beyond the employee limit of 22,500, you're probably using something like I described, post-tax dollars. Because I haven't maxed out yet. And I was going to just like, the way I have it balanced is to max out in December. 
So right now I have 7% of my paycheck going into the 401k plan, which would allow me to max out by like my last paycheck in December. Okay. And then I started putting 1% in the employee Roth okay. just to kind of diversify. That was my understanding, 401k Roth. But I have to be honest, I haven't looked at my paycheck for how that's coming out. So I don't know that that's coming out post-tax. Yeah. So that means then what will happen is when, or what they're supposed to do is when you hit 22500 whatever that combination is between Roth and traditional, it just should stop. Okay. So should I stop doing the Roth until I max out my 401k and then? Well, you have to find out not all plan. This is a fancy plan. You don't have a math. You have a top heavy plan where they're basically having to give you money to pass their testing. They might have the fancy stuff, which is a post-tax contribution, also known as a non-deductible dollar and an implant conversion. So I would find out if they offer those features. Okay. You could also call them and just confirm your structure, but they should be capping right. you at the 22500 Because otherwise what will happen is if you go over that IRS limit, they're going to have to rectify that. See, and I thought I would still max out. I don't know. I guess when I read up on this, I thought I could max out the 401k and I have the opportunity to max out a Roth 401k as well. They're not usually two plan limits. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that makes sense. So there is a way where you can do both, where you could do 100% into Roth, 100% into pre-tax, but you have to be eligible for two different plan types. Okay. So like we have doctors where they like work a bunch of, you know, and doctors like have doctor groups. So even they're not employed by the hospital, it's a doctor group where they might have, gosh, I think like a 457 and a 401k. And they're allowed to do the limit for both of those plans because those plans fall under two different rules. Does that make sense? Yeah. But you're working with a 401k. And so your employee limit for the tax year is just going to be 22,500. Your breakdown of how you're putting it in is up to you, but your dollar limit is going to be that number unless you're using the defined contribution limit of 66000 and your plan is allowing you to fill your bucket up Got it. using that strategy. Okay. I'm glad we had this conversation. <laughs> I'm going to look into this. Yeah. And you, and like, look, I always like to just caveat everything with like rules change all the time. Maybe something has happened and I haven't read up on it. So I would always just confirm that with okay. your workplace because they have your 401k is driven by and the rules that they have to adhere to is the plan document. Right. And so you can just call them up, whoever is adminning it, and say, I just want to make sure I'm understanding it. And if you don't feel like the person knows what they're talking about, they definitely don't. So hang up and try again. Because sometimes with the 1-800 people, they don't know a ton. My first job was 1-800, right? So I just, 17 years ago, I'm way better at this than I was 17 <laughs> years ago, right? So anyway, it's just like, it's an entry-level position, which is nothing wrong with that. But you need to get to somebody who knows this stuff. Right. And I'll be honest, our HR person would not know this. So I'm going to have to call the administrator. So who knows who I'd get? Yes. Yeah. Call the administrator and I just go with your gut. If it doesn't sound like they know, if they are like non-deductible dollar, what? Like not your person. Okay. I still deal with this. I had a man and I don't hate men, but I had a man when I was trying to design a plan for my company, which I decided to scrap because like, I don't have enough free time to do this. But I was like, I want this plan. Talk to this retirement guy. And he was like, I've been doing this for 20 years and this does not exist. And I was like, sir, just because you have not heard of it does not mean it doesn't exist. I do this all the time for tech people. And he was like, it doesn't exist. And I was like, this is why I say I could be wrong with like your plan. Like people make mistakes. It's impossible to know everything about 
everything. It's just not feasible. And he literally on the phone and was like, this doesn't exist. And I was like, you are not my person because you could say like, I've never heard of it. Maybe you're right. But he was like, you are completely wrong. And I was like, I'm not. All the big tech companies have it. I had this at Credit Suisse. It exists. I've watched it. I've used it. It works. But a lot of plans don't offer it. So it's like a fancy plan. Got is it. what I call it. Now I know. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. 